You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. So we started a teaching series for the benefit of anybody who's joining us for the first time. We started a teaching series this month, which we tagged Resilient Faith. Resilient Faith. Yeah, the faith that perseveres, the faith that persists until the promise of God for your life is in manifestation. One of the things we established at the beginning of this month is everything that we need, God has provided. It already, it already exists. What is our responsibility to draw down on the deposits that have been made available to us by, uh, well, through redemption, through the gift of redemption, okay? So last week, we started future-proofing, you know, future-proofing your life and having faith for tough decisions. Two major thoughts that we established last week was that the resilience of our faith is demonstrated by the quality of our decisions. And we spoke quite extensively about quality of decision-making and how that poor decisions have cost some people quite significantly. Poor decisions have almost truncated the destinies of certain people. Uh, We looked through scripture as well for um, references of people who, you know, made poor decisions like Esau and people who withered the storm and the pain and, and, and just pushed through like Joseph. Okay, uh, today we continue that future-proofing conversation and the, the theme for today is, well, the topic for today is called the domino effect of pain. How many people know how dominoes work? The effect of one or the, the, whatever happens to one just cascades to every other thing. So well, today we're focusing primarily on poor decisions that cause pain, you know. Um, also, life challenges that have resulted in, in pain. And what do we do with that pain? If you recall, if you've been in church this month, you recall two or three Sundays back, we spoke about the pain and the power of pain and how we can utilize or well repurpose pain. So today we want to finalize on that um, thought. And I'll take my Bible reading this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, from verses 7 to 10. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 to 10. Can we have it up, please? I'd like us to read together from the New Living Translation. 2 Corinthians, do we have it up? Okay, beautiful. So we're doing three verses. Can we go together, everyone? Once you go, we now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Next verse. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, Our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Amen. Now, this is a scripture that maybe a couple of us are familiar with in the KJV or the new KJV translation, you know, where it speaks about being pressed on every side but not crushed and all that. Um, But it's interesting from verse 7, and that's why we took the reading from 7, that we understand... Um, who we are, our makeup as it's essentially our makeup. And our makeup is that 
this flesh that you and I do business or transact with on earth is what scripture has referred to as earthing vessel or a jar of clay, you know. Uh, if you understand what a jar of clay looks like, or if you remember what you just think about a, a potted plant, yeah, that, that pot, that clay pot, if you drop that clay pot, there's a high likelihood that it would break into several pieces, right? Good. Um, if you are into pottery here, if you understand how, what pottery is, or the art of making um, that clay pot, there's a lot of precision, a lot of um, detailing. There's a lot of um, attention and focus that goes into it. And scripture reminds us that God says he's the potter and we are the clay. You know, uh, I'd asked or I just thought uh, some time back, I just thought, was this the best material to have used to form man? Don't worry, my thoughts can be a bit weird like that. But yeah, like what if we, it had been, you know, some metal, what if we're metallic, <laughs> would have been robots. But again, God knows why he decided to use, the, uh, you know, sand and, and, and clay to form us. But that's not the point. The point is this. This earthen vessel, this jar of clay that God has then so finely put together, he has then deposited in us his light and it's the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul is saying here that Stuff will happen to us. But the only reason why we are pressed down, but not crushed, you know, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are haunted down, but not, not, uh, never abandoned. I think the Passion Translation actually re references that part of we are, we are oppressed by others, you know, but we are never abandoned by God. We are knocked down. Yes, that's the part that is oppressed by. We are knocked down, but we are not destroyed. The only reason why all of these things um, can happen to us and we still stand and we stay strong is because of the Spirit of God in us. It's because of the light of the gospel that has been revealed to us, that we carry light. So he laid that background and then he, the, the, the last verse there in 10 helps us understand that, look, the reason why you are dealing with all of this oppression and knocking down and being pressed on every side and all that is because we are experiencing what Jesus experienced while he was here on earth, you know. And when he was living, he did not live in a state of defeat. It was a victorious living. His life was revealed. You know, he came back to life despite the fact that he, was, he even died, but he resurrected. And it is that, that same life that he manifested is also then evident in us as we continue to power through this journey on earth, regardless of the things that happen to us, regardless of our experiences, that the life of God is manifest, is made manifest every time as we go through this journey in our earthing jars of, of clay. All right, so just providing that background, we recognize that pain comes primarily, let's say broadly speaking, through dif two different forms, okay? There is the pain that you bring upon yourself by reason of poor decisions. And then there is pain that comes just by life. Life happened, like the loss of a loved one, like the loss of a job, you know, um, like major stuff that happens to you that causes grief and, and severe pain. 
that you could not have prevented. If you had your, if you had your way, you would have made sure it didn't happen. So broadly speaking, we are going to ca- categorize pain in, in those two areas. And as I go through this message this morning, I'm trusting that the Spirit of God would help you, whatever type of pain you personally are dealing with, whether it's the one by reason of poor decisions or the one that, you know, life brought on you, I pray today for healing for you, that you would experience the healing power of God that will take you out of that place of grief, out of that place of despair. That this scripture we just read in 2 Corinthians 4 would come alive in you and you will see that, yes, indeed, that you carry the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus on your inside and so it is reflecting the life of Christ on the outside, regardless of your experiences. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so negative situations may be a result of a bad decision or a life challenge. That's what we've established. That's the first point to note. But we need to understand that good can also come out of whatever the situation is, whether it is a life-shaping event or whether it is pain that has been brought on by reason of poor decisions poor choices. People have discovered their calling, their ministry, outstanding business ideas and pivotal relationships while dealing with negative situations. So an interesting question that we asked this morning, the the, the communications team just did a quick survey this morning and it is, what is your default setting when confronting a negative situation? And the responses that came about were, I mean, they were quite interesting. Uh, from panic to fear to anxiety, you know, and to the spiritual juggernauts like Tony, who, the first, their, their first response is the word. <laughs> but even, even them, I, I mean, even Tony had to admit at some point, and Tony, I hope you don't mind me sharing. Tony had to admit that the, the first initial response, maybe there's like a pre-response, you know, that very, that first thing that happens to you and just microseconds, you deal with it and you, you reset your, your mind and your thinking. Yeah, might just be one of panic. And just sitting here or listening online, I'm sure we can run through very quickly like a panoramic view. And, and you, remind, you are reminded of situations that have come to you where you've either experienced panic or fear. So for some people, it's certain types of animals. Cockroach is an animal, right? <laughs> Insects. So when we say humans and animals, where are, where are we going to book cockroach? We have to find insects, right? <laughs> After animal, right? Good. Anyway, for some people, things like cockroaches. Yeah. Cats. Black cats. Hmm. Black cats. That's how you know where you lived in Ibadan for the longest time. Or the interland. Ibadan people, I love you. It's no shade to you guys. But there are different things that cause us to respond in, in a negative way. Um, for some people, it's, it's, it's snakes. For some people, it is financial issues. Like, you see a completely different person when it comes to money. Now, if you grew up in a certain background where you literally had to struggle or you've been disappointed in life, when it comes to maybe your parents' financial choices, when you start to make money, there's a high likelihood that if you lose money, a little portion of your money, your heart is about to... I mean, you feel like you've lost everything. And I don't know if there's anybody in the room or online who can relate. 
So when it comes to finances, you are a hoarder, you are a saver. Why? Because you don't want to experience, you don't want that same feeling that you experienced a couple years or, you know, in your growing up years. You don't want it at all. And so for us all, there are different things that, I, and I know I've spoken very casually about how we respond to negative situations. But taking it a bit more seriously, when a major life event happens, what is your primary or default response mode? What is your default response mode? So let's look very quickly at some examples of negative auto-response in crisis. And we have it on this, up on the screen there. Yeah? First thing is fear. I think every human being can relate to, to this. In fact, I've heard people say that it's not, it's not normal to not experience fear. And while... I sort of agree because it's a natural human response to unpleasant or uncomfortable situation. But the more you sit with the word, the more you understand that it is possible that my default response should not be fear. Now, there are certain things that, and, and I'm going to be very practical here and, and vulnerable with you guys. There are certain things that have happened to me in life that I've just overlooked things that would happen to others and will shake them but there are certain things that if it tries to happen just the mere glimpse you know a, a mere appearance of it is not even the real thing can shake me and an example will be anything that has to do with my family my husband or my children but there are other things in life that is it loss of I've lost money I've made money, I've lost money. I mean, from the financial crisis in the late 90s, where we all lost our investments. I mean, you literally will get to a bank and they'll tell you there's no money, you know, to the, the capital market crash, to wrong investment decisions and things like that. So my point is, when there are certain things that will not move me. I would move very easily from it. But there are certain things that might try to happen, like maybe my husband is unwell, or maybe there's a health scare for, not even for me. That's the funny thing. I don't even get scared when it comes to my own health. But when it comes to the people that are dear to me, there's a way it, it, it tries to get me in the wrong mindset. And I have to be very intentional about recalibrating. And how do I recalibrate? I recalibrate with the word and with the promises. You know, I, I continue to declare it until there is no iota of fear, of doubt, or of anxiety in me. And the word takes over completely. I believe it. As I confess it, it, uh, it changes my heart. It changes the state of my mind. You know, till I begin to see what I'm declaring. I begin to see it, you know. I might not be seeing it um, in the life of the person that I'm speaking about right here and then. But I am seeing it. It's almost like I'm seeing what is ahead. And I'm ensuring that my words are aligning with that picture, that vision that I'm seeing ahead. So these are some of the um, negative auto-responses. Fear, and we're saying when fear comes knocking, when there's a major life, I mean, COVID hit, and we know that the world, a significant percentage of the world was in a state of perpetual fear. I remember one of the things we used to do at Elevation Church then during the week, we will declare the word and we will take communion. Not because... Guys, 
we weren't taking communion because the blo- that blood, that, okay, that wine and the bread, yeah, is what is going to keep COVID away. It was an exercise of faith that by faith, this blood, it, it, it was, <clears throat> Jesus would say, do this as often in remembrance of me. All we're doing was we are remembering the victory on the cross. We are remembering the finished work. So every time we take that communion, the physical elements, it is an action that helps us or strengthens our faith, reminds us that we are connecting this to the victory that Christ already got for us. And so there is no room for plagues. There is no room for infirmity. There's no room for sickness in us. That was what we were doing then. And perhaps you're here and you're feeling like, well, it's easier said, you know, we know that we're in church. So the default response to a state of fear should be faith. But how, what do I do? when it looks as though my faith cannot handle the situation, when it looks like the fear is overwhelming me. And my simple response to you in such a state, and we'll talk about other things on how you can build yourself and help yourself move from that place of pain or or, or, of fear, yes, is to remind yourself what does the word say about the situation? What does the Bible say about this particular issue that I am dealing with? What are God's promises to me? I find that a lot of us are lazy when it comes to studying the scriptures. We are lazy. We don't want to take out the time to seek and search, okay? Um, And so we let these emotions continue to rile till it beats its time and then eventually it leaves us. Somehow we'll be all right. There's nothing new under the sun. We'll be all right. But we're saying to us this morning that we cannot continue to live our lives like everybody else. You have superior information. You have, God has made available to you power. He has made available to you himself. And that's everything. But we don't. It's like you have a wrapped, I've done this illustration a couple months back. You You have a wrapped gift. But the day you said, Jesus come into my heart, You had access to a room full of gifts, boxes. A lot of us are still hanging out at the door. You have not entered into that room to begin to take the gifts that are rightfully yours. And how do you enter into the room and take what is rightfully yours? It's by even understanding what provisions have been made for you from the word. By spending time in prayer and allowing the Holy Spirit, you know, direct your thoughts. And the God that we have, the one whom we call Father, He's not insensitive. He understands the things that you're dealing with. Okay? So it's fine for you to express yourself to him to say, Father, I am scared. Now this looks like it's about to consume me. But what he wants is that you don't stay in that place of this is about to consume me. Is that you will go by his spirit and search the word and begin to declare. There is fear right now, but your word says it is written. And we see how Jesus will bring this written word to bear in his own trying time. When the enemy showed up and attempted to test him after a 40-day fast. Can you imagine? Who would have thought? I mean, you are doing this 21 days fast now. You are feeling like devil bring it on. There's nothing. But right after the fast, the first thing he encounters is a test. And the devil shows up. So maybe that's just warning for somebody here today. 
don't feel like by the time you're done with this test, uh, sorry, this fast season, that it's all just fun and merry and let's just be going nice and dandy. It's that tests and trials may show up. But we see how Jesus handles the situation. He says, it is written. Every response was backed by the word. It is written. You know, when I read that scripture, I'm like, Jesus didn't need to say to the devil, it is written. He simply could have just spoken to him by reason of authority that he carried as God's son. But he took him back to the written word. And so my question to you this morning is regardless of whatever or whatever situation, whatever pain, whatever grief, whatever discomfort, whatever unpleasantness you're dealing with, what is written concerning it? What has been written concerning it? You need to search it out. You need to search it out. So the second thing is passive posture. I cannot come and kill myself. Last, last will be all right. You know, and you're just very passive about the events of your life. It says being passive is not the same as being patient. And that's a note of warning. For someone here today or listening to me, you have taken a passive posture, posture that you have misconstrued to mean patience. It's not the same. Your place of patience, yeah, when you are in a state where you are um, reflecting patience or you are manifesting patience or where you are being patient. Why am I trying to use big, big words? When you are in a state of patience, you understand, right? It is simply that your trust is still anchored in God. Jeremiah 17, I think is verse 7, says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. So there are times that stuff happens to you, really bad, nasty stuff. And you need to apply patience. For example, someone who's been delayed uh, in a promotion opportunity. You have the map of your life figured out and in your map, you will do three years in this organization, three years in this organization. By the time you're leaving from this bank, <laughs> I said bank because I know bankers do that a lot. But by the time you're leaving from this company to this company, you would have been at a certain level. And by the time you're in this company, you know, you'll be positioning for this level. And, but you have not been at that place. Year one has gone. They did not move you an inch. Year two, year three. And you are very agitated. You really want to leave. But by the time you did a check, the Holy Spirit said not to move just yet. When you are in that phase, I'm trying to use practical um, examples so we can relate. When you are in that phase where it's almost as though don't make a move just yet. Don't make a move just yet. What are you doing in that state of waiting? What is coming out of your mouth? What are the ponderings of your heart? Patience does not mean not applying your faith. It is that I'm waiting on God for a set time, but I am hinged on his word, okay, concerning this particular situation. And I am giving him thanks because I know he is at work. Now, the difference between the patience and the passive state is this. The passive state is you are not upskilling, you are not doing anything, you, don't, you do not even do a check to know whether you should still be there or not. You are just there. God, I'm waiting for this thing. to show. You do nothing. You are not praying. You are not declaring the word. You are not 
even applying to other places, you are just there. Now, there are other situations, obviously, where you need to be sure if this is a move to make or whether this is a passive posture. All right? So, passive people helplessly watch problems grow bigger. It starts to mount and mount while a patient person persists in taking right actions until there is a change. Sometimes your action might actually be moving in in the state of a a, a job. It might be actually taking that bold step and, and, and moving out of where you are. But you need to be able to very clearly differentiate what is a passive action and what is, sorry, well, passive cannot be action. What is a passive state and what is patience, yeah? The third point is this, blaming others. It's another auto response. And if we're being truthful to ourselves, at some point in time in your life, you have packed the blame at the doorstep of someone else. Especially when it is for something that you should take ownership for. We're very quick to blame others. The one that is most common is we're very quick to blame God for any negative thing. Even the ones that you by your hand cost, poor choices, poor decisions, we blame God. So we absorb ourselves of responsibility when we blame others. And this posture can paralyze our ability or willingness to take initiative. The next point is becoming bitter with God. When pain comes, we start to question God's love. We question his commitment to us. We question what the word says. And we have a ton of questions. And perhaps somebody is here and wondering, are you saying it's not okay to ask God questions? That's not what I'm saying. Again, if you understand the concept of fatherhood, I don't believe we have a father that we cannot engage in conversations with and ask questions to seek to know. But you see where our faith gets to, yeah? You you see, there are times in your life where in your journey with God, you will ask questions. There gets to a time where in your journey with God, you know that he has your best interest at heart. You know that he's causing everything to work for your good, so you don't question him. As long as you can clearly say that this is a move of God, you are fine with it. Even if on the outside, it's not making sense. But God, I trust you. God, I trust you. And you know, Job said something in in his own trying time. He says, though he slay me, what will I do? I'll praise. I mean, that's crazy. Though he slay me. How about though he slay me, I deny him. Do he slay me? I tell him to carry himself and pack himself away. And that's our reaction. Sometimes we may not say it, but your, your response. Some of us, you fought with God. You've made up. You fought with God. You've made up. Someone is still in the fighting season. God and I, we're not cool. Because he's not getting me. And <laughs> like Sammy said, I'm not getting him. So let's, just, let's let him just hold himself while I hold my side. And let's be continuing. But if you understand that really and truly, according to what the word says, he cares for you deeply. He's mindful of you. If you understand based on your, if you, if you would sit and reflect, the Holy Spirit will bring to your mind how, I mean, instances, experiences where God has come through for you. And hopefully that will change your mind. But some of us are not even given the Holy Spirit such a chance. Why? Because here and now, in this particular situation. Why did God allow it happen to me? What was God looking at when it happened to me? I also asked God that kind of question too at some point in time in my life when I had a nasty um, car accident. 
I questioned God. I'm like, God, what, what are we doing here? If you heard my very first God experience, you would be familiar with the story. I, I, I was upset. I wasn't talking to him. And I didn't want him to talk to me. You know that God can speak to you through people, right? Even if you don't read your Bible, you will listen to something. And these days of social media, then there was no... The only type of social media that existed were emails and the World Wide Web. But, you, I mean, you had to put in effort to, for information to come to you. So evangelism in those days were mostly done with tracts and one-to-one -one conversations. And God sent someone to me. At that time, I did not know. But the first few times she came, I didn't want to see her because I couldn't even talk. I, had, I was all wired up. And so I used to write. That was how I used to converse then. But she showed up in my room, hostel, um, Unilag, knocked on the door, came into the room, looked around, and then decided it was me. She, me, that I'm not talking to God. She came, sat down, and I just turned my back. I was lying down on the bed. I just turned my back, hoping that she would get the drift and leave. But she sat in the chair, just facing my bed. She says, oh, hi, my name is... I think her name is Joy, you know. Of course, I didn't say a word. I didn't turn and all. My bunk mate had to say to her, like, look, she's not in the mood to talk. So maybe you want to come back another time. This lady does come back again. Same thing, my back was turned. I was actually, this time I wasn't very rude. Like, I signaled, like, just go. She left. Came back again. Yeah. By the time she came back, like, the third or fourth time, Maybe because, again, I've had experiences with God growing up. I, I loved God enough to understand that, well, no, let me rephrase it. That period in my life, let me not try and be Christianese about this story. That face in my life, I was very angry. I was angry, I was bitter, you know, because I couldn't go for lectures, you know. And things were happening to me, like serious shaming, and I was just not in a good place. So I wasn't thinking about my love for God. But because I grew up in a Christian home, and I knew that it was, I was not a disrespectful person. So I think that was the only reason why, as at the third or the fourth experience, I decided to give her opportunity to speak. And so she starts to talk. Um, she, she, she tries to ask me questions. Of course, I was unresponsive. I told her, mm -mm, I can't talk. And she goes on and on. But she wasn't preaching. She was, she was literally just gisting. Gisting and then, she starts to come every day and she would read different parts of scripture and all. Till eventually, one day, I decided, I, by the time she, she would leave after reading scripture, I would feel something would happen in my heart. Like, I just began to feel very sad. You know, so my anger was beginning to dissipate. That anger and bitterness was beginning to dissipate slightly. It was now becoming more like sadness and, and all that. And... One day she shows up and then I write a very long, like literally my anger towards God. I expressed it there. Like, why did he allow me to have this car accident? Why my, you know, all this while, you know one thing I forgot? That I could have died. That just never came to, it did not cross my mind that you survived this accident. You are alive. That's something to be thankful for. But of course not. And you know the funny thing was she didn't even push that thought so seriously. You know, there's a way we can very Christianese with people. I mean, like, you, you should be thankful. Do you know how many people are in the mortuary now? 
and you're complaining. Ordinary neck something is worse. You know, she's so, she was so gentle. She was so calm. Anyway, by the time I write this, of course, my, I was crying. I, I wrote out everything and she read. And you could see her eyes messed up, you know. And she just hugged me. She continued to talk. Sometimes she'd come, she'd hold my hands. And she used to bring me gifts. Let me not miss that out of the story. She'd bring me milk. She'd bring me dif- different stuff. And then, but I noticed something. She used to come up almost about the same time, like 4 o'clock. Now, visiting period was about 4 p.m. She'd show up 4 o'clock, maybe a few minutes after 4 Max, but she was always there. And so one day, I decided to ask her who she was. So I wrote a a note to her. You know, her name, where's she from? Like, don't you have classes? Like, aren't you a student? Like, how how is it that you show up so consistently? And she told me, oh, she's a student of Yabatech. And um, she told me she was in 100 level accounting. Well, ND1, that's what it's called in, in, in techno, well, in Yabatech then it was ND1. I don't know what they call it now. So, accounting, she told me she, now there were only, as at that time, there were only two hostels on, in Yabatech. So she told me she lived in the female hostel. So there was one for guys, one for girls. And that was it. So I was like, oh, okay, thanks. You always come, you bring me gifts and all that. I'm just really, I just want you to know I'm really very grateful and all. I started looking forward to her coming. Because not even my friends, you know, my, my friends were busy with life. After the first few weeks of dealing with my drama, they had to focus on their own life. They had to go for classes. So it's when they remember me or they have my time, they will show up, which wasn't a problem. I didn't mind because I, I like my own space. But this lady always showed up. So I started looking forward to her coming. So she would come. She would read the Bible. You know, I would read my Bible with her as well and things like that. She sort of just began to, my heart just began to melt and melt and melt, you know, until one day I was just so broken. And I, I just said to God, I'm really sorry. Like, I'm, I must be very foolish. Like, I remember the things you've done for me through my growing up years, just different things you've done for me and my family. Like, how could I be so ungrateful that this thing, this thing then happens and causes me to question your existence, causes me to question your love. And I'll be honest, when in the middle of the accident, as the accident was about to happen, I shouted Jesus. And maybe because I expected, you know, like angels would just show up and, you know, do the thing they always do. Like just carry the wing, carry the cow on their wings. But I shouted Jesus with every fiber of my being. Now, but thinking about it, I shouted Jesus out of fear. But I shouted Jesus because I really expected that name to come through. It did. I didn't die. But how I, as far as I was concerned, he did not show up in that situation. And so one day this lady stops coming. I was waiting for Bible study time. I just, she, she didn't show up. Day two, she didn't come. Day three, ah, what are we doing here? But by this time, I could sit with the scripture myself. I could pray and I felt like her work was done. So when I got better, by the time they took off all the neck braces and the sutures and the, the braces and everything, I decided to go and look for her. I mean, Unilatu Yabatek is not far. And so I went. And fortunately then, I had a friend, also in, in, in first year accounting there, and in the female hostel. So I called her up. Yeah, we had mobile phones said. Like, oh, yesterday, blah, blah, blah. So I show up at her school. And she, first of all, she told me, this name isn't familiar. I kind of know everybody in my class. But it's okay, I'll ask. And so she checked for me and she said there's nobody by that name there I'm like ah, okay I'm coming to visit you we'll check the hostel now we must find the person that has his name 
And so I showed up at this school looking for this auntie. And we went round, you know, the hostel. It wasn't a very big hostel, you know, and she had a lot of friends there. So we kept asking literally from like door to door. And there was no such person. And for the first time in my life, I believed God really loves me. He sent me an angel. Me, personally. You might think what you want to think. But me, I've seen angel. This angel did not have wings, Sha, but it was an angel. And so I'm saying to you, whatever it is you're going through, God is not unmindful of you. He's in it with you. You only need to gain perspective of the situation. You need an understanding of what he's doing. And guess what? He will work out his counsel. He will work out, ensure that it ends in praise for you, that his glory and, and his goodness is revealed in that negative situation. Amen. All right, just putting this all together. So procrastinating is also another way that we, we you know, negatively respond to issues. It's important that we build resilient faith. And resilient faith is the ability to navigate and come out of these negative, negative situations. Come out of loss. Come out of traumatic experiences. That whatever it is we're dealing with, whatever it is we're going through, that we see God at work in us. It is so important. And I know sometimes it feels really overwhelming. You are dealing with the loss of a loved one. And it's almost as though you can't breathe. I, I felt that way when my dad passed. I felt numb. But I was wiser. So, of course, there was no blame game here with God. But for someone, you're here and you're, you're feeling like it's, it's such a struggle to breathe. If, every time you think about the loss, every time you think about the pain, you're literally in pain. And my heart goes out to you. But I want to read to you a scripture. Let me read to you from Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17.7. I quoted it earlier. It says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when he comes. That's the first scripture for you. But its leaf will be green. So it doesn't say that because this person trusts in God and because this person's hope is anchored in God himself, that this person will not experience heat. It says heat will come, but you will not experience fear. Why? Because I'm in it with you. Yeah? And he goes on to speak about the outcomes of your fear, your trust in, in him. Yeah? All right. Um, so, let me quickly talk about four ways that you can turn your pain into power. The first is to seek to make a change. Repent. Especially where you've identified that the reason for this pain, this challenge, is because of poor decisions that you've made. We spoke about decision-making last week. Repent. And just ask God to have mercy. Someone who did that very clearly was David. David said to God, look, I've sinned. When Nathan the prophet came to him and the thing he had with Bathsheba, he repented. Another way is you need to seek necessary support. Okay? Now, just speaking a little more on just the need for repentance and the need to seek, to seek change. Don't remain in a situation where your pain persists and continues to increase without any relief in sight. For someone here, it's a relationship. The fear of starting over, the fear of, are there still good people out there? The fear of this one, let me just manage it. Let me just settle. My biological clock is ticking. 
has kept you in it. Meanwhile, you are in a lot of pain. A broken relationship is better than a broken marriage. So, you are not a tree. You can relocate from that place. Because that's not, that's not what your father wants for you. He doesn't want you to settle. He doesn't want you to settle at all. So if you're in a place of persistent pain, you need to do something about it. And part of what you can do is to seek support. Some people probably need to speak to a therapist. You need to talk to someone, get counseling, open up. Why you've been so closed in about the issue? You've been dealing with it by yourself. It's time to talk to someone. It's time to get help, get help, get help. I'm saying this again for the benefit of someone listening. Pray for the courage to take action. You need to understand what type of action do I need to take in this season? And then God help me. Do I need to exit a relationship? Do I need to quit a particular job? Do I need to, you know, change my lifestyle because I've been, I'm currently having health challenges that is as a result of poor lifestyle choice? What do you need to do? Would you pray for grace to take courage? And then lastly, share your experiences with others. It's so important. Scripture speaks about that. By the same comfort you've received, you can comfort others. Scripture also references a high priest that we have that cannot, you know, that can be touched by the feelings of our infirmity. So you cannot be that person who has gone through a situation. God has brought you out of it. And then you're looking at somebody else going through that same situation and you cannot provide counsel. Sometimes it's the story you tell of how God saw you through or the mistakes that you made that will prevent someone from making a similar mistake or falling into a similar trap. So be ready to share. And perhaps someone is thinking, this entire message that I've listened to so far, is really me, I'm, I'm fine. God and I, we're A-okay. I'm, I'm not dealing with pain. I don't have any loss. I don't have grief. If there's stuff in your past, that God can use to bless someone, which is why we're saying get into a small group. Find a community of people to interact and engage with. It's not just your family or your professional associations. Church family too is important. Church family is important because your church family, you know, keeps you accountable for your spiritual growth, for maturing in things of God. So don't, don't isolate yourself. You have the boys, you know, or your crew. You have your professional associations, your, your Warwick group or your Oxford group. And then you now have your biological family. Who is looking after your spiritual health? Join a small group. Be in church. Find a service unit or a team to, to serve with. Okay? So, um, let's pray. Let's pray. And we're going to take two prayers. If there's anyone who's going through a season of pain here, and I know that... Um, yeah, I was going to say, I know time is gone. But I would like for us to pray. It's important. Let's pray. Would you go ahead, eyes closed, heads bowed. Go ahead and just talk to God. Would you present your pain to Him this morning? And would you ask Him to heal you? Ask that His healing oil would flow in your life. Flow into your life this morning. And where there is pain, where there is anger, where there is bitterness, that all of these things will, would leave your life and you will breathe. In fact, someone needs to, to breathe in and out right now because your chest is, is knotted quite tightly just listening to this message. So can I ask that you inhale and exhale and let the Holy Spirit just minister His comfort to you right now. Let Him minister His love. So go ahead and pray. Isaiah 43, 
says, as I read this scripture over, if you can pray in the Holy Ghost, go ahead and pray in the Holy Ghost. If you don't have a prayer language, you don't pray in tongues, it's fine. Just say, God, I present this particular pain area. Is it the loss of a loved one? Present it to God. Is it the loss of a job? Present it to God. Is it the loss of your finances? Present it to God. The loss of a business opportunity or a business itself? Present it to God. The loss of a vital relationship? Would you go ahead and present it to God? Wherever you are currently grieving, where you are currently experiencing pain, go ahead. You are dealing with addiction, present it to God. You've taken on unwholesome vices as coping mechanisms for issues. Would you go ahead and present them to God? And let God free you. Scripture says that he that the Son of Man has set free is free indeed. So go ahead and declare over your life, I am free. Jesus has set me free already and so I am free. I walk in this liberty, this freedom that I have received. I'm no longer held bound by pain. I'm no longer held bound by the oppression of the enemy. I'm no longer held bound by this unhealthy uh, behavior or lifestyle. I'm no longer held bound by anger and bitterness. I'm no longer held bound by the effects of this person living my life or the effects of, or, of, of, of my, you know, losing a loved one. Would you please go ahead and make that declaration over your life in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I also want us to pray, every one of us, just pray for a consciousness of God's love in this season. And particularly for those who are dealing with an, a, an unpleasant situation, would you ask that God's love will be revealed to you afresh? That the love of God will re be revealed to you afresh. You would understand the Father's love. You would understand the Father's love. It, in all its entirety, you would understand the Father's love. The depth, the height, the width, you would understand the intensity of his love for you. And I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that every day of this week you begin to experience love encounters, love expressions, that God would prove to you that he loves you in very tangible ways. For that one that is currently doubting the existence of God or doubting the love of God, I pray that he will manifest his love to you. In the name of Jesus, he will take away every pain, every discomfort. For someone here today, you just feel really let down because there's stuff you've been trusting God for for a while and it looks like the waiting period just keeps extending and extending. I pray to you the same prayer that Jesus will pray for Peter, that his faith will not fail. I declare over you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, your faith will not fail. That the Spirit of God will continue to energize and strengthen your heart, your emotions, your faith. Your spirit man is strengthened and energized in the name of Jesus. You receive fresh capacity, fresh grace, fresh supply of grace to able to wait on God, to have your hope anchored in Him. In the name of Jesus, nothing shall by any means separate us from the love of God. Father, we thank you. And lastly, I just want to pray or invite someone here today. You don't know Jesus or possibly you, you've accepted Him at some point and, and you feel like you've strayed. I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe a life event happened to you and has brought you into that place where you really don't care much for God, the things of God. Can I say to you that God still loves you regardless of how far you think you have strayed. He still loves you and He wants you for Himself. He wants you. So can I ask that with eyes closed and heads bowed, we will give you the privacy of this moment and we're saying to you, 
just go ahead and invite Jesus into your heart. I'll lead you in that prayer and a couple of us in the room would go ahead and say that prayer with you. All I'm just going to ask is you raise your hand. And the reason why we're asking you to do that is because we want to be able to support you through this journey. If you do need to, to get counseling, you need some sort of support, please speak to us. But go ahead and raise your hand so the ushers can put that card in you. If you are here in the room or online, please go ahead and declare with me. Dear God, I come to you today. I present my life before you. And I ask that you would heal me of every pain and discomfort. Today I invite you into my heart and I ask for the grace to continue to walk with you. I may not understand it fully, but I ask for your help. Holy Spirit, come into my heart and take over my life. I want to do life with you, Jesus. I want to do life your way. So help me in Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, we just thank you for everyone who said that prayer. Uh, perhaps there's someone who said the prayer and didn't indicate. I'd like that you please see me before you go. But Lord, we commit them into your hands and to the word of your grace that is able to build them up. We ask, Lord, that you will preserve your children. We rejoice because they have come home. And we pray, Lord, that if there be any negative event that has dissuaded them from accepting this call, that, Lord, you would resolve. Visit them in a special way by reason of this declaration of faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, everyone, Thank for being here. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.